Um, as you'll find in your bulletin, and if you, maybe if you brought your Bibles with you this morning, we're going to uh, look at the end of John's uh, letter, 1 John, uh, to his friends, to the churches uh, that uh, he wrote to. Uh, the end of our series here in 1 John chapter 5, uh, verses 18 uh, through 21, we've been working our way uh, through uh, this uh, beautiful letter where John has unfolded the beauties of the, uh, the essentials of uh, the tenets of the Christian faith, and even in the face of opposition and false uh, teaching, uh, John wants his friends and the churches abroad to be encouraged of Jesus' love for them and encouraged of their union and uh, oneness uh, with Him. If you would, uh, and if you're able this morning, would you please stand with me as we read God's Word together. Uh, this is First John chapter 5, beginning in verse 18. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. But he who was born of God protects him and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true, and we are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. This is the Word of God. May He press its truths in on our hearts. You may be seated. I was thinking to myself uh, earlier this week, and especially um, as towards the weekend, as we've gotten closer and closer to the potential of this hurricane on the um, the anniversary of uh, maybe the hurricane that rocked Brookhaven the most in Katrina. I was thinking to myself, uh, man. My my kids weren't even old enough to remember Katrina and, and its effects, um, and maybe some of uh, yours as well. Um, it, it was devastating, and I thought to myself, Kelly and I were talking yesterday, trying to make preparations, and I found myself I found myself needing some reassurance, you know, needing some reassurance that. Um, that someone's in control when I feel out of control. Have you, have you ever experienced that before? Uh, that someone is in control when things around me uh, feel um, out of control. As I've said already, we're in the midst of a pandemic that keeps hanging around on and on and on. Our, our medical professionals uh, again and again are sacrificing themselves um, for this community, now we've got a hurricane on our uh, doorstep, uh, but in the midst of the storm, uh, don't we need to be reassured? Uh, reassured of Christ's love, Christ's strength, Christ's uh, courage, Christ, uh, Christ the anchor uh, in 
of our faith, um, and, and maybe not even reassurance in the midst of a hurricane or a pandemic, but it's inevitably, any one of us this morning could need reassurance of love, reassurance of presence, um, reassurance of uh, any number of physical touch. Uh, sometimes we need to be reassured that things are just going to be okay. And here's the question that springs forth from the letter of 1 John. How often do you need to be reassured of your relationship with Jesus? We need reassurance all around us. Children need reassurance. Adults need reassurance. We all need reassurance. But how often on a weekly, daily basis do you need reassurance in your relationship with Jesus? That's, that's what's been the main theme coming out of uh, the book of 1 John in the face of difficulty, in the face of hardships and trials and even false teachings. As Jeffrey said, you can be sure and confident and eager and joyful in the love of God when you see Jesus at work. And John gives us here in these last few verses, he gives us some practical ways that you can see Jesus' work, Jesus being at work in your life. And when you see Jesus at work in your life in these ways, then you can be reassured of your relationship with Him. So I'd like for us to look at these three things. Um, the first is uh, John reassures his readers that they can be on sure footing and sure foundation uh, with their relationship with, with Jesus in verse 18 when they see a fight for the truth. A fight for the truth. The fight against continual, habitual, ever-changing sin is evidence of the Holy Spirit at work, is what John wants us to see. It's the third person of the Trinity's activity in our life, enabling us to hate our sin and grieve our sin and repent of our sin and confess it. And John says, you can be sure that you're born of God and that He's at work work in your life if you fight against sin and you fight for the truth to be evident in uh, your daily doings. Uh, Jesus embodied uh, this. If you think back uh, to the Gospels, even uh, John's Gospel, Jesus embodied uh, this fight in maybe uh, one of the most real of uh, circumstances. Uh, you can remember uh, the night uh, that He was betrayed after um, they had eaten, they went to the garden, and uh, Jesus uh, was praying, and next thing you know, he hears some rumblings in the bushes, and it's the guards uh, coming from him, coming for him uh, to arrest him, uh, to take him uh, to be tried, and that, if there ever were a call to fight, a call to arms, that was the time, and certainly Peter... Uh, as he often did, what, it, what was his predisposition? His predisposition was to pull out the sword. And next thing you know, the, the, the servant of the high priest is holding his ear, I'm sure bleeding from the side of his head because Peter had chopped off, uh, I don't mean to be grotesque, but chopped off Malchus's ear in chapter uh, 18. Uh, 
John tells us this, um, Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. And so Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into its sheath. Shall not... Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? You see, Jesus is even embodying what John is telling us. His fight was against something way more destructive uh, than physical arrest and even death. He is waging war against sin, not of His own, waging war against our sins and God's wrath against those sins. I think the question that comes forth out of this, uh, this fight that we see John calling us to, or this reassuring fight is, what, what, what is your primary fight aimed at this morning? Think back over the past week. We fight for and against a lot of things, much of which revolve around our personal thoughts and feelings and actions. Many of you have uh, beautiful jobs that allow you uh, to fight uh, for beautiful things like uh, justice and um, health and education and advocacy and financial health and freedom and even integrity. But is that our primary identity and therefore our primary fight? That's the question uh, that I'd uh, like us to consider this morning because I want to suggest to you that our primary identity is in Christ first and foremost and therefore our primary fight is to be against sin that so easily entangles our heart. Every other fight, whether it be politically, whether it be socially, whether it be economically, professionally, must flow out of our primary fight against our own sin first. And John wants us to be encouraged in that fight that the Son of God Himself will keep us safe. So one of the reassuring things that you can be uh, that you can be encouraged by in your relationship with Jesus is that when you feel and when you see yourself waging war against sin, that's evidence of the Holy Spirit's work. That's evidence of your relationship with Jesus. But not just waging war against sin and waging war for the truth, but also uh, being different because of uh, the truth. Um, John wants his friends, if you look with me at verse, in verse 19, John wants his friends and the world to know uh, that you can be confident in your relationship with Jesus when you see evidence of being different from the world. Now, why is that the case? John says the world is under the tyrannical authority and organization and orchestration of the devil who is bent on expressing himself through his rebellion and hatred toward God through the world. On the contrary, God's children live with him as Lord of uh, their life in his light and in his love in a beautiful father to child uh, relationship and so John's reassurance is that God's children should find great joy in being and looking different from the world around them 
We experienced uh, this in our own family this week. Uh, when you have growing children, as many of you know, uh, shoes get too small often, uh, don't they? Quickly, um, more quickly than what you realize. And so Holden was bumping up against the edge, if you know what I mean, uh, running out of room. And so we had to, and, and when and you think about it in your own lives or in your grandchildren's life, buying clothes and buying uh, shoes and things of that nature are important for young children, aren't they? It's, it's often ways that they express themselves uh, through what they wear and those uh, sort of things. And so Holden and I were having the conversation this week, okay, man, you know, what, what kind of shoes do you want? Well, the conversation went like, well, my friends are wearing these kind of shoes, and I've seen this person wear these kind of shoes, and so on and so on and so on down the line. I said, okay, buddy, but what kind of shoes do you want? And after a few minutes of thinking and pondering, I said, Dad, I want some shoes that are different. I want some shoes that are unique. I want some shoes that, that nobody else has. And I think that's a picture, although not perfect, eventually the illustration falls apart um, and will not go there. I think the beauty is that's similar to what John's calling us to here in the, his letter. The acknowledgement that Christians who have been re redeemed by the blood of Jesus, who Jesus gave his life for, that is a call. That call to faith is meant to be a call uh, to be different. Uh, Jesus, as Lord of our lives, we're meant to, our lives are meant to play out differently. And when we are different from the world, if you'll think about this, especially uh, recently as your life has ebbed and flowed, when, when those differences, because of Christ and because of what He's doing in our life, when those differences show up, all too often they're satisfying. They bring joy. Maybe they bring hardship, but with perspective, they bring joy. Wherein, when we blend in with the world, and when there aren't uh, many uh, similarities, uh, or, or there are a lot of similarities, similarities there are a lot of, there's a lack of differences, we'll hardly ever be satisfied. And those only ignite our insatiable appetites uh, for more when we try to blend in. Uh, here's a difference. Uh, which character characterizes your life more? Sacrifice and service and thoughtful love and care for others versus uh, self-consumption and uh, entitlement and arrogant abuses. Now, that's convicting to me um, because one characterizes my life certainly more than the other. What are the sum of the differences with the world in your life because of your relationship with Jesus that you can celebrate this morning? It's a good question to ask. There are ways that if you're a follower of Jesus, you should be able to look and say, man, I'm different from the world in this way. Thank you, Jesus. Can you do that this morning? Hopefully there are plenty of ways that you can find. But certainly there are some ways where you're like, man, I kind of, 
I kind of I kind of blend in. For those ways, are you willing to ask the Lord uh, this morning to help you healthily manage your fondness and desires uh, for these things? You see, Lord, the Lordship of Jesus in our life doesn't mean that we dismiss His creation. Uh, it doesn't mean that we retreat from it, but rather we look into it deeply and ask for His help uh, to make it uh, new. And so John wants us to see clearly uh, that we can be on sure footing with our relationship with Jesus when we see a fight inside of us uh, that's brought about by the Holy Spirit, when we see differences inside of us uh, that are brought about uh, by the Holy Spirit. And finally, in verses 20 and 21, uh, when we see an embrace of the truth uh, that's brought about by the Holy Spirit. The third thing John wants his readers to be eager and joyful toward, which will inevitably ensure them and assure them in their relationship with Jesus, is this principle. Knowledge leads to understanding, and understanding leads to activity. Think about that. Knowledge leads to understanding. And understanding leads to activity. John wants anyone who reads his letter to know this truth. Jesus, the Son of God, came to this broken earth and lived beautifully and perfectly in it. And in his beauty and perfection, he also laid down his life as the ultimate sacrifice for that brokenness of this world and for the brokenness that is in us. Our sin. That knowledge leads to this understanding. I don't deserve such lavish, overwhelming, life-altering, unrepayable gift. None of us deserve such a gift, and yet it's ours through faith in Jesus, in who He is, and in what He has done. And now, therefore, I'm free from my slavery to sin and able to live always growing into Jesus' righteousness. That knowledge with that understanding leads to this action. I've never felt loved like this before. And therefore, I want to embrace my lying lovers. John says idols in verse 21. I want to embrace my lying lovers less only to be able to embrace Jesus more because of what He has done uh, for me and everything that He is so much so that my life is literally hidden in Him. Knowledge of who Jesus is leads to understanding of what He's done, which leads to the activity of embracing Him because He's embraced us and won't uh, let us go. And not only that, but also welcoming others into this cosmic familial uh, embrace. I spoke uh, with one of my friends, uh, John Crosby, who's the uh, RUF campus minister uh, at the University of Memphis uh, this Thursday. John had a really hard summer. Um, his mom 
uh, was dying of cancer. And so he spent uh, three and a half uh, to four uh, months with her uh, as she was dying to care for uh, her needs and to take care of her. And one of his deepest, I, I guess, deepest desires, I think we probably all have this desire uh, in us at, to some capacity, but John wanted to be there. He wanted to be there with his mother as she was ushered uh, into eternity. Problem was, his brother-in-law had asked him to do, which often happens with ministers, uh, his brother-in-law had asked him to do uh, the wedding of his daughter. Um, and the, the two events, his mother's death and the wedding, were drawing closer and closer together. And so John obviously wanted to celebrate uh, with his family, but also wanted to care uh, for his mother. And as um, Jesus' providence would have it uh, right before uh, they uh, walked into the sanctuary for the wedding service, he received a phone call uh, that his mother had uh, gone to be with Jesus. And he said, um, he said to me uh, over the phone, she had a, one of the most, um, one of the most gut wrenching and heartbreaking and suck it up and get yourself together uh, moments that I've ever um, experienced before. But then he followed that sentence by saying, "But I experienced something even in my pain and grief in that moment that I've never experienced before in my life." So Jesus met me in that pain in a way that He's never uh, done before. He said uh, this. Uh, he recounted the, the, the wedding uh, like this. I watched my weeping brother-in-law walk his daughter down the aisle in the joy of full embrace. And before I knew it, I was weeping too. Certainly at the joy of what they were experiencing, but also at the reality that Jesus had just embraced my mom and was walking with her in full embrace to meet her heavenly Father. I literally felt myself embracing a truth that reached into the depth of my soul. I think that's what John's saying here in his closing sentences to his friends. There's a truth about Jesus that is going to give you far more meaning and hope and joy and love and compassion and peace than anything else this world has to offer. You'll never be able to match the strength of His embrace anywhere else. The question then for you and I this morning is have you embraced Jesus? Have you embraced Jesus this morning? Are you embracing Jesus more than other idols in the midst of your pain and suffering and hardship and even in the midst of your joyous celebration? Even if you're not embracing Him or have never embraced Him, will you ask Him to help you feel His embrace? And when you do, will you embrace Him back and be mesmerized by His beauty and 
love for you? I, I think that's a good question, certainly for me, and I hope for you as well. So often we leave out of these doors on Sunday evening and we go about um, our Sunday afternoons and we go about our jobs and we go about our families and we go about living and what gets pushed to the back corner is the reality uh, that we so often embrace so many things with such great strength. All the while, we forget that Jesus' embrace and love for us is far greater than we could ever uh, feel. And so I think that's a good thing for us to consider even this morning reassurance and fighting for the truth the difference because of the truth and embracing the truth hopefully uh, that encourages you to embrace even more so um, our king and lord and savior uh, jesus as we walk into the storm let's pray father uh, thank you for Thank You for Your words of truth um, that are um, so beautiful and so reassuring and so encouraging. Certainly, we don't deserve um, that, especially as we continue to struggle uh, with uh, the, the sin that so easily tangles us up and makes us trip and fall and wallow all over the place. And yet, uh, your words of truth are reassuring. They are hopeful and they do give life, uh, Father. And we pray that you would, uh, through your Holy Spirit, that you would stir that in us uh, this morning. Uh, That you would stir a a fight and that you would stir differences and that you would stir us to embrace you as you have embraced us, Jesus. Thank you that Your Word teaches us that You hold tighter uh, than anything else we can ever imagine. Would You hold so tightly to us this day, even this evening, uh, that we might feel uh, Your embrace and know Your truth. For it's in Your uh, name that we pray. Amen.